Hi, everybody. Today's guest on the podcast is Jarek Robbins. I was super stoked when he agreed to come on the show. What a great treat this is, you guys. Today we talk about relationships, really. That was not the intended focus of this particular podcast, but he does have a relationship course that will be coming out um, in the near future. And so I'm going to repost this whenever it does come out because you guys are definitely going to want to be interested in that program. But Jarek Robbins is a motivational speaker and author, and he's the son of Tony Robbins, who you all know that I just adore very much and got a lot out of um, Tony's training and and his UPW events and and the like. So it was really an honor to speak with Jarek. But he has been coaching business owners and teams and individuals for over a decade um, to achieve, you know, world-class results in their personal and professional lives. And he's delivered training and, and speeches to millions of people and organizations and is just a gem of a person. I really appreciated his time and his focus on relationships that we talk about, which is very, very cool. So I hope you all enjoy this episode and definitely check out his high-performance coaching that is available. I will post a link up to it. Um, I just started it this morning and it's a very, very cool, easy to follow program that, you know, requires some work on your part, but it's going to help you get unstuck if you're feeling so stuck. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Jarek Robbins. Welcome to the same 24 hours podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day. And it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Jarek Robbins. How are you? Very, very well. And yourself? Oh, so good. So good to talk to you. I am completely inspired by you and just just so thankful for your time. So let's jump into a little bit about you. Um, you're obviously quite accomplished for, are you 35? 35. 35, quite accomplished. Just getting started. Just getting started. But see, that's how I feel. I'm looking so forward to my 40s. I turned 40 and quite soon, actually. And so that's how I feel, too. Just getting started. So tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) I always laugh at this question because I don't know where to go. Is it like uh, security at Blockbuster Video is my first job? Yes. Was it? Blockbuster. um, I had a very um, embarrassing moment in Blockbuster. (laughs) uh Uh-oh. I'm going to have continue. to ask about that no. now. You no, can't continue. tee that up and not throw it in there. <laughs> what happened? I don't remember exactly what happened, but it had something to do with a video being late. And I was like, it's not late. And they were like, it is late. And I just kind of lost my mind. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was like oh, 16 dear. years old. I was, I'm so, it's not my finest moment. <laughs> it happens. It my certainly happens. always like, is this a blockbuster moment when something's happening? <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I don't do that anymore. Stop. It's okay. They definitely happened. We, I, I stood at that front desk. Well, the, the funny part about this is when I got hired, I wasn't old enough to work the register legally in California. So they hired me as security at Blockbuster Video, which but doesn't sound very sexy at all. <laughs> Though here's what's funny. Because I was so tall and so big as a kid, um, I was five foot nine, 225 pounds in high school. So I was a big kid. Yeah. And, and I, I, they put a Blockbuster shirt on me. And they had me as inside the store security because they had a theft problem around video games right. in this specific store. And so on Friday and Saturday nights, I would literally just walk up and down the aisles of Blockbuster staring at people and looking over the shelves. And what was funny is theft of these video games dropped by over 72% within 30 days of them hiring me. That's so awesome. whoever was stealing them obviously got scared off by me moseying down the aisle every Friday and Saturday night. Uh, but, but that was my, that was my first job, uh, backstory from there, um, lived in a village in Uganda for a while. I I took a trip where, where I went on a ship and we circumnavigated the globe. And, and so we went all the way around the world. And, and when I got to East Africa, there was just something special there for me and, and seeing how the majority of people live in the world kind of opened my eyes and opened my heart coming from Southern California to realize, wow, like there's so many people that we, we really need to help. 
And, and for some reason I, I took it as a personal responsibility that, you know, I have a good life. It's my responsibility to help them. And, and, and so I, I came home, thought about it and I was like, I, I just can't sit here and keep going to school pretending like everything's okay when I know that that's going on. So I, I joined a nonprofit organization, packed up my stuff and flew my butt all the way back to Uganda and went and lived in a rural farming village for three months, teaching organic farming and English at the school on the weekends, but organic farming during the week to the farmers there to help them rebuild and retail their, their farms and, and get them up and running. And, uh, it was amazing. Life changing, no running water, no electricity, no toilets, rural, rural, rural countryside. Um, people still lived in like little mud huts and, and we'd go around and teach them how to do, you know, how to take certain peppers and mix them together to create a natural pesticide to keep the bugs off the plants. Mm. Um, how to use certain mud and clay, mixing it together and create, uh, an internal stove out of clay so that the, the fires they were using to, to cook at night in their homes wouldn't cause a lot of smoke inhalation. Right. Um, so we, we teach them how to create a little mud stove and then run the chimney up the side so that the smoke will go out instead of in. Uh, how to create little kitchen gardens and, and do a compost in the middle that creates nitrogen-rich soil that you know seeps into the food so they have really rich food to eat from. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And I spent three months there. Um how did you know to answer your heart's calling? I mean, a lot of times people will get that tug, right? And mm -hmm. know they need to do something. How did you believe in that so deeply and, and take the first step? Because I think a lot of times everyone, you know, we have natural fears and things holding us back. But how did you know, like, I have to go do this? Um, so uh, I'll give you another story that didn't turn out as well. <laughs> I tend to be the type of person that when I have a deep feeling like that, I just do it, mm -hmm. period. And I follow it. And, and, and you know, I, I was taught as a little kid in, in probably not the healthiest way in the world, uh, feel the fear and do it anyways. I remember <laughs> I, I got in a big old fight one time, a bunch of times actually. I was snowboarding and my dad was teaching me at 13 how to snowboard and the best way to teach a 13-year-old how to snowboard was take him up to the very – well, first, send me the lessons, give me a chance, and then take me up to the, the, the steepest part of the mountain because you have to learn how to turn there, um, which I didn't think was the brightest idea as a 13-year-old. <laughs> I was scared. You know, had the life scared out of me. And I remember him being at the bottom of the slope yelling, no son of mine is going to be scared. Keep going. <laughs> and and I, I would eventually be like, my ankle hurts. Call ski patrol. Oh and and I'd flag down ski patrol and get a sled ride and he'd be ready to kill me. He's like, you're not hurt. I'm like, I'm hurt. Leave me alone. <laughs> and and uh, I'll be honest, I was a wuss of a kid. Well, I so think it's important is... to note who your dad is for the audience. Sure. Um, <laughs> and And, you know, so he was helping people break through their fears by walking on fire and doing seminars. And, and I'll tell you, it was a great, 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 massively life transforming and positive training in my life. Um, I, I'll just give you some fun predicaments of how it might not have turned out so well when I misused it more or less. Um, coming back to that gut feeling. And so that gut feeling in this case was was really beautiful. Like it was to help people. It was to serve. It was to go do something good. And I followed it. Um, now when it didn't work out so well, I remember at one point I got back from a trip like this and, and there was a girl I kind of had a crush on that I had known for a while. We'd never gone on a date. We'd never even kissed each other or, or, you know, we were just friends. And I came home after three months in Uganda. And while I was there, I got malaria twice and was told I had six days left to live at one point. Oh no. Um, and, and so I had this kind of rushed feeling of needing to experience things in life and I, I was not ready for a real relationship at that point. I needed a lot of studying to do it, that I didn't have, a lot of information, a lot of habits I didn't have that could actually make a relationship work. Um, you know, so luckily this didn't work out. But I remember getting home and I felt this intuition feeling of like, man, I really feel like she might be the one. The keyword might be the one. Mm. And, and so I followed that intuition and I was like, well, there's only one way to find out. And she lived up in, I think, uh, Los Angeles and I was down in San Diego and I was like, uh, well, okay. So I just got in the car, grabbed a bottle of water, grabbed some snacks and started driving. I was like, I'm going to go find out. Um, and, and PS gentlemen, if, if the thought is I'm going to go find out, you're not ready. Let's just start there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go find out if she's the one. Oh, and, funny. and so I drove all the way to her house, knocked on her door. Um, she, she wasn't there. And I was like, that's weird. Her truck's here, but she's not here. So I called her like 20 times in a row. She finally picked up. She's like, are you okay? Is it an emergency? What's going on? 
And I was like, oh, I just had a question I wanted to ask you. And she's like, uh, okay, can you ask me? And I was like, no, I wanted to ask in person. I'm at your house. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm at the mall with my mom. It's my like, hang out with my mom day. I'm like, damn. I'm like, <laughs> maybe meet you later for like a quick snack? She's like, sure, meet you at Starbucks in like four hours. I'm like, okay. So I went to Starbucks, hung out there for four hours and worked on some stuff. She finally shows up. She's like, hey, friend, how you doing? Like, it's been a while. And then I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I felt like we have a lot in common. She's like, yeah. I felt like, um, you know, we, 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 we do well together. Like, we hang out well and we kind of, like, we get along. She's like, yeah. And I was like, well. And, and I had pulled off the side of the road on, on the way because I was like, well, if you're going to ask a girl to marry you, like, you got to have a ring. So I literally pulled off on a random exit in like, uh, I think it was Palomar Airport Road in Carlsbad. And I swung by a, a jewelry store and picked up a ring. And I was like, oh well, you need God. a ring if you're going to ask a girl. It'd be weird to ask without a ring. And so I had, I had a ring with me and I kind of slid it across the table. And I was like, what do you think? <laughs> what and do you she think? gave me the weirdest look in the world. Because <laughs> I, I, this came literally out of left field. Like right. this was not <laughs> something to be How long had it been since you'd seen her? So I went around the world with her on a ship. So we spent three months sailing around okay. the world with, you know, nine, 600 other students. There's a bunch of us there. We were just good friends. Um, and I probably hadn't seen her in at least four or five months. And, okay. and we had talked via Facebook maybe a couple times. But it was, <laughs> it was just a good friend. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. And, and so this is one, one area that probably my intuition and fearlessness didn't add up to the smartest idea in my life. <laughs> Uh, luckily she, she said, I'll think about it. And she gave me the one and only kiss and, and she <laughs> thought about it and it was wild. Cause exactly a year later, um, she was randomly quote unquote randomly in town and she's like, Oh, I'm in town. I just want to swing by and say, hi. I was like, cool. Now I had dated other people and kind of forgot about it. And we never even went on a date and she stopped by my apartment and was like, Oh, here, um, I brought this back for you. I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, well, that was wild. She's like, I know, right? You kind of came out of nowhere with that one. She's like, I still think you're great. I'm like, thanks. And, and you know, we're still friends today. She's married, has beautiful children. I'm married. Um, but, but I think that's one area where following my fearless gut didn't turn out the smartest idea in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, you learn something, right? I mean, anytime you learn something, it's, it's good. It's, so, so any guys listening, let me give you some tips. Number one, if you're trying to find out if it's the right person or not, you're not there yet. So so stay friends or, or just keep hanging out with each other. Um, two, I don't know if there's a two on that one. I'm going to start with one. <laughs> I'll leave it at one. That's my leave best tip. There. If you're still uncertain, it's not, you're not ready. Just keep being friends or keep dating or keep being engaged until you really, really feel that that it's ready. Um, and And – how to find the right one is a program I'm actually working on with my wife right now because after that moment, we sp I spent probably the next seven years studying, literally studying, going to conferences, reading books on relationships. Um, and, and I discovered in all that research that most people go about finding the one all backwards. Oh, let's talk about this. This is um, and And so what I found out was if I can, hold on one second, let me grab my journal. Okay. I, I made notes on this and I, I just wrote out this piece, uh, 10 things that'll kill a relationship, experience more love. Where is it? Um, 10 stories inspire people, 10 ways to generate referrals, becoming a coach. You like the 10? You like 10? I've been using 10 every <laughs> oh, here it is. 10 tips on choosing your life partner. Okay. So I wrote this out the other day. Um, number one, knowing it always starts with you. So you got to know yours and theirs, what they value, what they believe, and their rules around these things. Mm. So what do they value? What's most important to them? And not what they say, but what they do. Two, what do they believe about these things? Are they good or bad, right or wrong, better or worse? What do they believe about them? And then what are the rules? So two people might value love. And for one person, you know, if you use the five love languages, for one person, love is an act of kindness every day for them. The other person, love is telling them they, they're handsome or beautiful. And, and, and so what do they value and what are their rules? And I mean, what are the always, you always have to do it and what are the nevers? What do they never do these things? And if you know that about each other, it's a starting point. Mm 
-hmm. Most couples who are dating and all hyped up on each other don't know these things about each other, which is the equivalent of sitting down at a board game and you get the rules of Monopoly and I get the rules of Checkers and we, <laughs> we try to play the game together. Right. And you know, because we're all in love and hyped up on, on hormones, uh, the first couple moves, we give each other credit and go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah it's okay. Totally fine. That's okay. That's okay. And, and you know, one person's like, do you want to be the, the train or the thimble? And you're like, okay, that's weird. There is no train or thimble in this game. It's <laughs> black, but, uh, train it is. And, and, you know, the love hormones get us to make exceptions in the beginning. Oh, speaking of the thimble, I had a friend who posted on Facebook. Um, she and her kids were playing Monopoly. And the little one of her daughters was like, I want to be the trash can. <laughs> and she said, oh, what? There's, there's not a trash can. They, and she pointed to the thimble and they had the kids had no idea what that was. That's amazing. Because that's our, that's, you know, sign of our times, right? I that's thought that was true. hilarious. I want to be the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm going to call that out next time and see yeah. if anyone catches it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so this concept of we start playing the game, we make exceptions for each other because we're all hyped up and in love. And then after about 15 turns, we're ready to wring each other's throats because they're not playing by the rules. Right. And so two challenges. One, most of us have not sat down and identified what our own rules are. Two, we haven't realized that everyone else has a different rule book to life and we're all playing the same game with totally different rules. Mm. And so even if you just start there, you're going to have such a better opportunity, short term and long term, of actually having something that lasts. Um, you know, I'll go through the rest quicker. But number two understanding you're in their stage of life. Um, there's predictable stages of life that's been mapped out and researched uh, by, by lots of different researchers that show what are the predictable uh, amount of, um, what's called responsibility a person can take on at each stage of life and what causes them to transition from each stage to the next or get stuck in one. And, and so this is where I, I can save a lot of ladies a lot of heartbreak just by listening to certain language patterns of people and, and within the language pattern, you can tell what stage they're in and you can predict if they're actually ready for a relationship or not. Mm. And, and there, there's a key phrase that I learned from someone I, I was studying, which was uh, in, in here, the masculine energy or, or oftentimes the man, not always, but it could be you know, depending on how the pairing is. But, but the masculine energy uh, talks in possibility and, and the feminine energy listens in promise. And so it tends to happen at certain stages, let's just say man and woman, for, for example's sake, uh, the man will talk about future possibilities, and the further into the future he talks about, the more she allows herself to like him and opens herself to him. The problem is, if at any point he runs across something that doesn't fit and decides to call it off, she is now pissed because he had promised her all those things all that time. Mm. And Got so it. ladies or the feminine energy of the relationship, or the lady in this case, uh, unless he puts a date, a time, and a specific plan of action of how it's going to be executed, do not, it's only a possibility. Mm -hmm. Got to remind yourself of that. And men, uh, or the masculine energy in, the, in this case, uh, do not talk about anything in the future unless you can say with 100% of your honor and commitment that it will happen, and if you don't deliver, she can smash you in the not-so-great parts with a sledgehammer. And if you're cool <laughs> with promising all that, then go ahead and talk about it. If you cannot promise all that, don't even bring it up. Even if she's mad at you, don't even talk about it. She will respect you more if you don't talk about it than if you talk about it and don't deliver. That's really good advice. And yeah. and so, you know, that that's kind of two, and there's a lot more that goes to each of these, but three, um, know what you and they need, want, desire. And number four is how they, or number three is how they need, want, desire. So what do you need? You know, what do you need to really th thrive and survive in a relationship? Do you need cuddles? Do you need high fives? Do you need good jobs? Do you need a good kick in the butt? Like, what do you need to really have a great relationship? What do you want to have a great relationship? What do you really desire? What are the hidden things that sometimes you can't even put words on? Well, you but, mentioned but, this earlier, too, that you have to have some level of knowing yourself and self-awareness yeah. before you can even know what you need or want. I mean, how does that tie in to relationships. I mean, people don't even know what they want. So I always say there's kind of three levels of people evolution, um, if we keep it broad. And number one is we leave home somewhere 14 to 18. Uh, nowadays, sometimes 37 years old. Doesn't matter. It's just part of life. <laughs> no but judgments you, here. <laughs> no judgments. You leave home 
And when you leave home and like fly baby bird, a lot of us have a little ego and attitude attached to us. It's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm fine. I got this. Leave me alone. And you go out into life and life royally wallops you upside the head if you're lucky. And, and you just get a big old bashing by life and you come back home and go, uh, shoot, it wasn't as easy as I thought. And you're, if you have kind parents, they go, oh, it's okay, honey, it happens to all of us. If you have not so kind parents, they're like, told you so. And they <laughs> finally, they get the, Life is ha, terrible, I told you. Life sucks, be. I told you. Uh, but, but you get your butt kicked a little in the beginning just because we're learning what works. And that's the key. You're learning what works. Once you learn what works, now you learn what works overall. What helps? Reading, learning, conferences, YouTube, uh, Udemy. Like it's, con- it's gathering information that works, that's proven. Use it in your own life, it works. After you use it for so long, you have to customize it and figure out not only what works, but what works for you, which is kind of step two. Yeah. You figure out what works for you. How do you do it? What's your unique blend? And step three, you figure out how to automate it. How do we make it automatic? There's a research study at Duke University that shows 60% of what we do every day is nothing more than an automatic habit that we've built into our nervous system. Uh, if you see the brain activity of a person learning something for the first time, there's these huge spikes of brain activity. By the time they've done the same thing for the sixth time, when you look at the same brain brain waves on the sixth attempt, it's this gentle little hum of brain activity on the bottom, which means you're in autopilot. Mm. And and so the key here is you want to be able to train in the correct autopilot right. that, that you do the things that work that are uniquely in your way and you train that into autopilot so that you naturally do all the things that keep you at your happiest, healthiest, strongest, and most fulfilled self every day. Right. Now, I talk now to you, my athletes about this. You know, yep. they're like, I'm not a morning person or I, I just can't seem to do whatever. And I say, you just have to create the habit and then it becomes autopilot and then you're autopiloting good things instead of the trash you've been doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so you're spot on. You create that autopilot. You're in your zone. And this is where people usually are in their prime as a single individual. Like life is amazing. They've got it down. They're making some money. They're happy. They're, they're traveling a little. Like they, It seems like they have the most blissful life and everything's incredible. And then they meet this person and things are so incredible and they decide to 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 you know, do it together. And they, they make the, the crucial brain damaging, awesome experience of moving in together. (laughs) And what happens is even if, and and hopefully this other person has done their work too. That's the big caveat, little star asterisks. Hopefully they've done their work. Now, if you've done your work and they've done their work as an individual and you're happy, healthy, strong, and fulfilled, even in a best case scenario, you've both done the work, you put you two together, Holy mackerel, you're about to experience a thunderstorm of chaos. Why? Because you wake up at different times, you eat different things, you have different ways of keeping the house clean or dirty. Things, certain things are important, certain things aren't. This is rules, beliefs, and values all unfolding in front of each other in, in motion. And, and so, you know, one person's a night person, the other one's a morning person. One person keeps the house spotless, the other person is a little, you know, daredevil of awesomeness that leaves shit everywhere. And, <laughs> and, and in the beginning, you make exceptions, like, oh yeah, no, it'll be great, it's not that big of a deal. After about six months, you're like, don't leave the toilet seat down, or up, or whatever it is, like, <laughs> you're ready to kill each other. And, and all that's happening is you've circled to level two, or stage two, level one. Remember level one? figuring out what works. That's all, you went back to level one, but you're on yeah. stage two. Two yeah. people figuring out yeah. what works. So you gotta go back to the beginning. Shit, what works? I don't know. <laughs> let's, right. let's try stuff and figure out what works. Then eventually you figure out what works. And you have just defined marriage. <laughs> That's right. So I'm, I'm on level stage one. 20, level I'm one. <laughs> level one trained with Gottman therapists. And, and yeah. Julian John Gottman did 30 years of research on 3,000 couples of what works. I'm currently going through level two training with them in, in the therapy circuit of how to help people through this stuff because it's really important. And, and, and so in figuring out what works, if you need to figure out, I recommend going to Gottman. They did 30 years of research on 3,000 couples and figured out there's seven habits couples do that makes their relationship last and if you screw up any of these seven habits they call you a disaster of relationship and it's completely going to fall apart over time yeah and it's proven scientifically proven and 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 so when you're looking for what works as a couple those seven habits and then your own unique blend of them how it's going to go together you elevate to now you know level stage two level two which is we know what works and as long as we do it Oh man, we got a great relationship. And any day we screw up what works, oh man, we got a headache. And then eventually you automate it. 
and you get in this level two stage or stage two level three and you're like, oh my gosh, this is when it feels like you have the most blissful relationship in the world. Oh my gosh, it's on autopilot. We have our routines. Everything's amazing. Everything's incredible. And then this little miniature human comes out and <laughs> screws up the whole thing again. And it's like, ah, what the heck is going on? And, and you know, I, I believe we continue to keep going through those evolutions. Every time we change any major component of our life, we have to go back to what works, figure it out. Then you got to get to what works for you creatively and, and, and you know, then you got to automate it. And, and that's how to keep mastering each little moment as big life transitions happen. Yeah. Yeah. I like um, one of the parts in your book, your book, Learn It, Live It. Well, your book is Live It, right? Yep. Live, live it. it. Achieve but success the, by living with purpose. Yeah. But the principles in it, uh, learn it, live it, give it. But you yeah. talk about in, in there about focusing or our obsession with the minors, like the majors and the minors. And I think that is such an amazing thing because we it's so easy, especially in relationships, to get really bogged down with the minor right. things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that concept is staying broad, staying open and and paying attention to what are the most important things. I put something up on Instagram this morning. Um, if anyone's listening and wants to see it, go to it's just the little at Jarek Robbins, my name. Uh, if you're having trouble spelling it, Google it. Usually, easy way to figure it out. K I R E K. Yep, Jarek Robbins, R O B B I N S. And and so I just threw something up on Instagram for people who are either starting or starting over. There's a concept of minimum investment, maximum return, which is really important because when you ask people what's most important in life, we all realize like if you're not healthy and you don't have your health and then you die. Well, then nothing else was really important because you can't do any of it. <laughs> like right. that kind of screws the whole game. So you got to be healthy to some extent. Um, you know, emotionally, you're going to you're going to need to have if if you're super duper duper healthy, like you work out, you're amazing. You have thriving health and energy. But emotionally, you feel depressed, lonely, frustrated, upset and anxious all the time. Like that's not really healthy. So you need you need emotional you know, stability or, or, or emotional understanding of yourself and how to really find that happiness and joy. Um, you know, relation, if, if you're super healthy and you're super happy, but you got no one to share it with, well, that kind of sucks too. So you need someone to share it with. You need community or, or family or, you know, some family is, is not blood family. Some family are, are the friends that just care deeply about you and you're there for you all the time. So you need that community and family. Um, at some extent, I, I don't think I can't find any research that says this is a make or break of a good life. But what a lot of people crave having an intimate relationship, having someone that gets to know all of you and still chooses to love you in especially because of all the weird quirky parts about you. Um, I was listening to Brene Brown and she was talking about the difference between fitting in or belonging. And, and all of us crave that person we can belong with. And, and, and the difference is fitting in, meaning you learn what are the required uh, habits and beliefs and, and, and the ways in which you have to show up. And then you conform yourself, you bend and twist yourself to fit in, in that area. And, and if you're in a relationship intimately that you have to fit into, oh man, those suck. Yeah. And, and because you're constantly twisting yourself just to try to fit there. And in reality, if you unwind yourself and just was totally a hundred percent you, um, it might not be the place you belong. Because a place you belong is where you're naturally the most authentic, raw, real, crazy, wild, silly, simple version of yourself, and you just belong there. It's right. where it's it's just so natural. Because and, and, like in a in a relationship, I mean, there is part of a good relationship. It, nothing is ever going to be easy, right? But no. there's some things that occur with ease. I guess is is what I'm getting at, and sometimes. I think we force ourselves into relationships and we have to, or we have to give up so much of ourselves to make this other person, you know, quote unquote, happy. Like how hard should it be to have a good relationship? So there's a difference between difficult and effort. Um, when I look at relationships, one of the other things further down the list on those 10 is someone who's willing to do the work with you. With you. With you. Yeah. And themselves. Like they got to be willing to do the work. Um, because if they're not willing to do the work, we, we, we've scientifically proven what the work is, like what's the required work to have a great relationship. Well, there's seven things. It's, it's 
boom, you do these seven things, it's going to work. If both people participate and both people do the work, you're going to have a great relationship. It just works out that way. Um, and, and so you need a partner who's willing to do the work. Now, is the work hard? Is it difficult? That's when you got to play the game of like, compared to what? <laughs> you know, my dad interviewed a lady who lived through Auschwitz and, and, you know, she was 103 years old, still playing the piano three hours a day. Like was playing the piano difficult? No, it was really easy compared to Auschwitz. Like it was right. beautiful. And the crazy part, they asked her what was the best and worst day of her life. And she goes, well, the, the worst day of my life was going to Auschwitz, obviously. And the best day of my life, if I think back at my 103 years of living was going to Auschwitz. Mm. And he looked at her, he's like, what? Say that again. And she said, well, the worst day of my life was getting sent to Auschwitz. And she said, if I'm really honest, after 103 years of living, the best day of my life was getting sent to Auschwitz. And he goes, how in the world can you even say that? And she says, because that very short period of time I spent there in a horrible, horrible situation made every day for the rest of my life the greatest day to be alive because I didn't have to be there. Right. I was like, whoa. Now, if you ask her, you know, was that a lot of effort? Was that hard? Of course it was hard. Did it pay dividends in the long run? Oh my God, it gave her the greatest day of ever being alive for every day for the rest of her life. Yeah, but now you're comparing a relationship to Auschwitz. <laughs> Careful, watch this unfold though. And, and so mental links there, people are like, oh, is a relationship this horrible experience? No, it's a beautiful experience. If you learn to find the beauty in the hard moments. Yeah. Because most people go through hard moments and then suffer for years after those hard moments. One of my favorite friends I ever hung out with, he's a monk from East India. He told me that pain is necessary. It's part of life. Someone walks by, punches you in the shoulder. It hurts for about a minute. Then it goes away. Suffering is completely by choice. And I said, what the heck does that mean? And he said, if six years later, you're still in quote unquote pain in your left arm because someone punched you six years ago, that is self-created in the mind. Because the physical sensation of pain is no longer there. Rare circumstance. They might have hit a nerve or something. But, but right. in, in most people's scenario, the past pains we keep living over and over and over and over again in our mind are completely self-created by us choosing to keep replaying the old footage in our brain again and again and again of what happened back then and using that as the excuse of why we can't have a beautiful relationship now. Right. So is a relationship hard work? Not if you choose to stay in the present moment and grateful for the opportunity to have someone to do the work with. Right. It is extremely difficult if you spend the majority of your time in the past especially if your brain is focused on all the things that went wrong back then and you're using them as your excuse of why not to show up now. Right. It's rereading the same script over and over again. That's right. So if you, you let that, that script up, go yeah. and you heal and you get to a place where you're willing to stay right now in the present moment, notice not the future. The future can also screw you in relationships because if you're so consumed with where you think you're going and then life throws you a curveball. You know, you get a situation. I, um, there, there's a guy I read about, beautiful human. Uh, well, interesting human. Now a beautiful human. Interesting when he started. He, <laughs> he was this super cool uh, BMX, like motocross guy. I think it was motocross. Motocross. And, and he was super cool and winning all the championships. And he got the super hot chick girlfriend. And she was like super hot. And he was super cool. <laughs> and they won all kinds of stuff and made tons of money and traveled. And then, then they had these super cute kids and like super hot, super cool, super cute kids. And then this whole spiel and like amazing life. And everyone's like, oh, we're so jealous. You're so cool. <laughs> and then one day he went off a jump, landed wrong and became an instant quadriplegic. Hmm. And he found out, not in a great way, um, that he had a partner who will, wasn't willing to do the work. Because after like, I think it was six or nine months, she literally one day just said, I can't do this. And she packed up and left. Mm. and left the kids with him at home as a quadriplegic to now try to take care of two kids and himself. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. That's someone who's not willing to do the work. Yeah. And how do you, okay, so how do you know? Now let me flip that? this real quick. <laughs> okay. Because there go. is a beautiful example on Instagram. I, I, I wish I knew her name. Uh, beautiful example 
of a, a young woman who is married to this man. I, I believe he was a soldier. Yes, yes, their wedding, who got, the who wedding went video. And got somehow got completely paralyzed. And this young woman is the most beautiful thing. It touches my heart. But this young woman was willing to do the work. And she says, you know what? I love you and I'm willing to do the work with you regardless of the circumstance. And this young woman showed up every damn day in this guy's life, got him back to, you know, trying to walk again, trying to move again. She will not give up on him. And it is beautiful to see. And so it's not on my list of 10. But one of the things I've always asked when I'm dating someone, I'm married now, happily married. But when I was dating, one question I'd ask is, if I landed up in a wheelchair, do I think this person would be willing to push me and hang out with me and talk to me and love me? And if I don't think with a hundred thousand percent certainty that this person would be there during the hard times like that, I sure as shit don't need to be spending all the good times with them. They're a good human, just not my pick. Right. right. And if and I, if I had a hundred percent certainty that this human is with me and they're willing and able and, and want to do the work with me, regardless of the circumstance, they, they get that little box checked in my mind of they're willing to do the work and I'm willing to do the work for them. That's the other question. Would I be willing to push this human in a wheelchair if something happened to them? And would I be thrilled out of my mind to do so? And that's one thing I can check positively with my wife and say, I'd be thrilled. It'd be an honor to push her if anything ever happened. How do you, what are the right questions? I mean, is it in the seven, the seven questions or the seven habits? Is it in there? Like, how do you, how do you call down a relationship in the dating stages? Or, you know, if you're trying to start new with, with your current relationship, like how do you know, what are the questions to ask? What are the, the conversations to have to figure out, is that your person? Are you that person? What, what are the things you ask? Yeah. I'll circle back to number four on our list. Um, who are they at their best and who are they at their worst? Okay. Uh, those are things you're going to want to know. Number five, uh, do you have complimentary fighting styles? This is <laughs> one of my favorites. You're going to get in a disagreement going to happen. Part of life. They're going to say left. You're going to say right. And you're going to go, Ugh. do your fighting styles match? Uh, my wife and I, we, we both came from families that are very loud. And so we both don't fight. We communicate. Oh, we talk. Yeah. Um, other people, something goes wrong. They feel like you really didn't handle it unless at least one person yelled. <laughs> That's, That's okay. That's just complimentary <laughs> fighting styles. You need someone who who thinks that's the way you do it. And then so if, you, if you're going to get a fight, you need a fighter who fights like you. That way you can enjoy fighting together. Right. And, and, and I, I say this, <laughs> you should enjoy a good fight every now and then with each other because you have complementary styles. If you're learning jujitsu and you will get in a fight with a jujitsu guy, when you're done, you kind of shake hands. You're like, that was pretty good. That was like, oh right. man, that move exactly. you had there. That was a good move. <laughs> now, you know, if you're learning jujitsu and some dude brings a gun to the knife fight like that, no, that's screwed up. You're not allowed to do that. They're breaking the rules. So you got to have complementary fighting styles. Uh, number six, matching mindset. There's a great book written by Carol Dweck on, called Mindset. And, and in one of the chapters, she shows how mindset, either growth mindset or fixed mindset, affects relationships. If you get into a relationship with a fixed mindset person, if you're both fixed mindset, it's perfect. If one's growth and one's fixed, you're definitely going to want to read this book. But if one's growth and one's fixed, they interviewed the fixed mindset person after the relationship ended and they asked them, would you rather have a chance at true happiness or do you want to guarantee that you'll never be happy but they'll never get to experience happiness ever again in their life as well? And a person with a fixed mindset says, I'm willing to give up my happiness forever to ensure that they never get to be happy Stop. if they broke up with me. Wow. And that, that gives you like those weird eerie like chills down the spine of like, yeah, ooh, that's crazy. <laughs> But it's a mindset. You can predict this. You can have a little quiz you take online together and you can both see who's fixed and who's growth. And you want to make sure if you're growth, find a growth. And if you're fixed, find a fixed. Um, but but don't, don't cross those over because it's going to be a big old kick in the face at some level. Number seven, um, you have the same level of commitment to the process. This is what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. You have the same level of commitment to the process. Number eight, um, is it someone you enjoy going through hard times with? Like, do you enjoy going through really shitty moments together where you go through the worst time together and you're both laughing and thinking, oh, this is crazy. Like, oh, God, here it comes again. And, and you're you just as long as you're together, even the most horrific moments feel 
kind of fun and you're just entertained and, and you know, you're the two people at the funeral kind of giggling in the back corner, not no disrespect to the moment. It's just when you're together, you can literally make it through anything it feels like. And, and you do, you just enjoy going through great times together and you enjoy going through shit times together. Cause it's, it's fun with each other. Uh, number eight and ensure that they're after the same type of relationship. There was a research study I read where it showed pe- there's five different styles that people get into relationships for. Um, one is to su- either to be supported or support the other. Two is companionship. They want to do everything together. Three uh, is growth. They believe that the person they're with is supposed to help them grow or they're supposed to help each other grow or, or vice versa. Uh, and, and, and the fourth is legacy. They believe the real reason they're in a relationship is so that a legacy can continue beyond them. Their children, the family fortune, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the empire, like whatever it is. Um, and, and so make sure you have similar patterns or at least understand your partner's pattern of these. So you know how to show up for them. Uh, I had a client one time in, in over in Singapore where he was a companionship person. He wanted to do everything together and she was a legacy. She just wanted the children to have a good life. Mm. And so as long as the kids were taken care of, she basically wanted nothing to do with him. She didn't want to hang out with him. She didn't want to go to dinner with him. She didn't want to go to yoga with him, like nothing. And he wanted to do everything with her. And and it's still possible for this to work. They just have to understand each other's styles and then kind of be willing to cross back and forth with each She's other. She's going to have to go to yoga with him every once in a while. Every once in a while, <laughs> if she wants it to work. Otherwise, he will be miserable in this relationship. She will be happy, but he'll be miserable. And that's not fair. Right. Um, and then finally... Uh, align with priorities, hopes, dreams, and vision. Like, are you guys headed in a similar direction? Do you guys want the same things? Do you, do you vision? But those, those are my kind of 10. There's another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bonuses beyond those 10. But those <laughs> were my first 10 that popped into mind. In, 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 you know, how do you pick that person? And, and we're, we're actually going to create a whole program on this in the next few months um, to, to help people just answer all the questions and then take it to someone they're thinking about and answer them together and see what happens. That's awesome. So I would love, I could talk to you forever. Oh my gosh. We just talked about relationships. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but I want to, I want you to touch on real quick before we go. Um, the, I, cause I know that a lot of my audience feels this way. How do you get unstuck when, when you wake up in the morning and you think I am stuck? Sure. I feel stuck in my job and my marriage and my life. What is kind of the mindset or something that you can quickly share to help people take that first? First of all, I don't believe anyone is stuck. That's just my personal belief. Um, I think it's it's kind of a mental state. But um, what is something that you can share to kind of help someone maybe take that first step to believing they're not stuck to taking action? Sure. Um, well, I think there's a reality to it. And, and, and let's just touch on the reality part and then we'll show you how to adjust it. Um, my wife and I just took a, a three week trip to Majorca, Spain. And in Majorca, the roads are really thin and they're just, just really skinny roads. And so we had a little SUV. And as I drove down the road, my wife would go, <gasps> and, and which would freak me out. And I'd be like, I'd stop the car, slam on the brakes and go, what? She's like, you almost hit the wall. And I'm like, screaming doesn't help. <laughs> That's going to make me look. And if I look, I'm going to turn the wheel. If I turn the wheel, we are going to hit the wall. That's number 11 on your list. Number what are 11. your driving skills? <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. The number one argument in the world, according to research, is this exact phrase. If the map was meant to be read that way, it would have be drawn that way. <laughs> number one argument in the world of all couples, every race, religion, background, nationality, doesn't matter if you're a big city, tiny village, it's the number one argument is the map and driving <laughs> or, or traveling. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, and there's ways to get through it, but it's very funny. And, and, and so this concept, though, is the reality is those roads were snug. And our car was a little bigger than some of the roads. And so there's a reality. If we try to drive our car in the current condition down that road, we will get stuck. There's a reality to it. It's like we're stuck. We can't go forward, can't go backwards. And we got stuck on a road, believe it or not. And we had the reality of like, now what do we do? And there were cars behind us because we were like, shit. (laughs) And we had to figure it out. We had to get unstuck, which required us to convince other cars to go backwards down a very thin road so that we could unstuck ourselves and then choose a different road. And, And so, you know, there's a reality to that 
that, that it's not just a feeling of I'm stuck. Sometimes like you're legitimately stuck in the wrong place and you're going to need to reverse out of it and kind of take a different direction. Um, now, now how do you do that? There's a couple things. And I always say when, you know, one of the numbers on my list was, are you, you know, know who they are at their best average or worst self. You can get through so, so, so many challenges if you're at your best self, period. If you're at your best self, if you're the happiest version of yourself, if you're the the healthiest version of yourself, you're the strongest version of yourself, you feel emotionally alive and elated and driven and focused and amazing. Oh my gosh, you can get through so much more stuff. Than, than if you're the worst version of yourself. You're exhausted, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're hangry, you're, you, you haven't slept. Uh, oh man, like the littlest thing in the world. And, and just think about it. If, if any of you have children, when they're in their first four, four to six months of living and, and they kept you up all night and you didn't sleep at all and you haven't eaten anything and it, it's now coming up on 12 or one in the afternoon and there's no food in your belly, you haven't eaten, you didn't work out, you haven't meditated, you didn't sleep all night and, and someone just kind of looks at you from across the room. You have a blockbuster moment. <laughs> you have a blockbuster moment. You're like, what? <laughs> and you're like, uh, I don't know. How are you? I'm fine. Right. Did you sleep okay? Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, like who is this demon coming out of my husband or wife on the other side of the room? Right, right. And, and in reality, they're just their worst self. Like everything sets them off. Someone <laughs> someone like sniffles funny and they're like, why did you do that? For me, it's chewing. Oh my oh, God, if I'm that version of myself and someone oh chews around me, I, I, I feel like the Hulk of ready to smash them through 17 walls of life. Me too, bags of chips on airplanes. Anything, usually. anything that oh. chews. Now, the yeah. funny part is my wife loves crunchy food. <laughs> of course she does. Of so course. when I'm at my best, oh, man, it's great. Of course I want my wife to eat. It's human. <laughs> um, now, when I'm at my worst, my wife eats something. and I'm like, <laughs> and it sounds stupid, but no. that's what happens when we're at our worst self. Right. The stupidest things set us off. And when I get back to my best self, I'm like, well, that was dumb of me. And I have to go apologize and be like, I wasn't human. I apologize. And she laughs at me and goes, I know, Mr. Hulk. And, and we, we laugh about it now. But in the beginning, we had to learn these things about each other. Um, and vice versa, though. If she hasn't slept and she hasn't eaten and she's exhausted and tired, and I'm like, hey, what would you think about this? And she's like, ah. And, and, you know, she'll have days where she comes back and she's like, sorry, I was short with you. I didn't mean it. She's like, I, I think I might not have slept as well last night. I'm like, that's okay. Um, so we learned one thing I always track with all my clients is I have a sleep tracker. And I've learned it's a game changer to have a sleep tracker on my wife. <laughs> it's a predictable. <laughs> up, how did you sleep? <laughs> I, I just check my phone. I don't even have to ask her. As long as she syncs her little Fitbit thingy or, or her whoop band. I can see how well she recovered. I can see how well she slept and I can see how well her nervous system recovered. You know, we have a meditation band we use together that measures how well we can clear and focus our mind. I can see how well she can clear and focus her mind. If her med her head's everywhere and she didn't sleep well, uh, danger zone. Be very kind to her today. Right. Walk gently and lovingly. Um, and if I know she hasn't eaten and we've been traveling, oh my gosh, we're teeing something up for chaos. And so with each other, we learn to announce when we're at our best, average or worse. So I'm like, hey, I'm not my best self right now, just so you know, I feel like I'm probably a six out of 10. And she goes, oh, well here, how can I help you elevate? I'm like, oh, whew, she's got me. Instead of like, good luck. Um, and, and vice versa, <laughs> she's like, I'm like a four out of 10 right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, what can I do to love you? What can I do to love you right now? I really wanna come love on you. What can I do, can I feed you? Can I rub your feet? Can I can I snuggle you? Can I do like what can I do to really get you back to your best self? And we've identified things that help us elevate. So she could do things for me, I could do things for her, and we can elevate each other back up to seven, eight, nines, or ten. So we're at our best. Um, now, back to the question of when you're at your worst, what do you do to get unstuck? Well, there's certain things that I always use. Some are fast solutions, like you only have three minutes to get back to your best. Some are you know, you have some time available. You can go do things that might take 30, 40, 50 minutes. And, and I'll give you a list. Um, these are things we teach in our, our high performance programs. The first, if you only had three minutes and you absolutely had to get back to your best self, get in a three minute ice cold shower. Huh. It will yeah, shock <laughs> the, everything out of you. Like it will knock 
the 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 thought out of you. It'll knock the 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 feeling out of you. It'll knock everything. I've had people reach out to me in some of the worst situations. I'll give you an extreme example. Um, someone hit me up on Instagram and she was like, "I, I want to die. I'm not feeling good." My first response, call the suicide hotline. It's there to support you. That's why there's beautiful professionals on the other end of that phone who are always ready to help. Um, she's like, I know I did and they didn't help. I'm like, no, no, call them again. Right. <laughs> They're yeah. there. Keep talking. They're going to help you. They're very good at this. Um, and she says, okay, I guess I don't really want to die. I'm like, okay, well, I can talk to you if that's the case. But, but if, if you're really there, like, please call that hotline. It's really there for you. And it's incredibly supportive and very useful. Um, and, and, and so she's like, no, no, I'm, I don't want to die. I just feel like that, that feeling or it's just like, ugh, and exhausted. And, and, and so, um, I said, okay, well here, let me help go take a three minute ice cold shower and then we'll talk. And she went and did it. She came back and she's like, wow, I feel like a different human. Hmm. I said, what changed? And she's like, I, I had so many thoughts in my head and they're, she, she's like, they're gone. And, and I, I, I really felt bad. Like it hurt every ounce of my skin hurt. Uh, and I said, honey, it's not your skin. Um, the, the, the feminine energy or f- a lot of times women, uh, not always, but women have, have a layer called feelings that exists between your organs and your skin. <laughs> and when your feelings are hurt, your whole body aches. And so her feelings were hurt and her entire body was aching. And, and, and so when she took the three minute ice cold shower, it reset her whole nervous system and reset her feelings. It didn't make them go away. It reset them for the moment, which, which caused them not to hurt anymore. Yeah. And, and my, my friend, Dr. Andrew at, at Stanford neuroscience calls this super performance. It, it's, it's a light version of shock in your body that puts you into fight or flight and fight or flight. Meaning like if a giant saber tooth jumped out of the bush and went raw and you like, ah, and you got to fight the thing or run like hell. Your eyes focus better. Your body breaks down sugar better, so you have more fuel to be able to do stuff. Um, not only that, you uh, are are able to your, your muscles tighten, so you can get places quicker and move more efficiently. So all these fight or flight elements kick in, and it's amazing. Your body goes into super performance. And so with a three minute ice cold shower, you got to breathe. The first thirty seconds are the hardest. Breathe through it, and after you get past that thirty seconds, you get into this element of natural fight or flight. And, and you get this superhuman version of yourself for about four hours, which is incredible. Yeah. And so, so if helpful. you only had That's three so minutes, helpful. ice cold shower. Yeah. Um, if you had, you know, a couple hours, I'd say go get a workout in. Endorphins kick in from that workout. Go, go take a jog or a or, or workout. Um, for some of you, the way you recover is not physical fitness. It, it's alone time. So go spend 30 minutes alone with a journal and write down all the things you're grateful for or all the things on your mind. Um, for some of you, it's nothing time. So if you had, you know, an hour of nothing time, it would completely reset your whole nervous system. And, and for others, you it's social time. So, so you know, pick your peer group and, and go spend time with people who really naturally just elevate you by being in proximity with them. And you know, an hour of of peer time, and all of a sudden, your best self again. That's awesome. Well, Jarek, I know you have to go. One more quick question. Um, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, which means we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do with those 24 hours that contributes to our best health, happiness, and success. So I like to ask my guest, what is something that you do on a daily basis that makes the most of your 24 hours? So it's like a habit or something that you do every day. Love my wife with every ounce of my being. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome. Thanks for having me.